I mean, I hope so. It's cool. It's fun. It's like this is the the title of this podcast is like the perfect way to explain being in the music industry, especially now in 2021. Like you have to wear many hats in order to like survive, in order to feel fulfilled. Yeah, I just I I, I just kind of like doing it all, and it's in, and with design work, so especially so if it if it can uh, continue to build, unbelievable. You know, I'd be so stoked. I'd be so honored. But it's like, yeah, it's been it's been really cool for someone like me who is so new to this. Rashad and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Desire where we talk about your main gig then we talk about your side hustle. Camton Mahager is a graphic designer and musician which he's mostly known for as the Chain Gang of 1974. The Chain Gang of 1974 has been a project of Camton since 1974 no 2010 and it's been a favorite listener yeah, of right. mine since <laughs> Daydream Fever of the track Death Metal Punk and his next release is a film Honeymoon Dips, and his latest release besides EP. I've been following Campton's musical journey when he switched gears into shoegaze with Teenage Wrist and now giving us heavenward, Campton doesn't stop. Produces EDM as well with What's So Not, Dylan Francis and Flux Pavilion. He runs a record label called Fever Limited where he puts out his latest releases. And he also designs posters, merch, and album covers for my favorite shoegaze bands such as Ariel, and not so shoegaze bands like the 1975. Yeah, this isn't an interview with the 1975. This is with the Chain Gang of 1975. It's not the 1975. Thank you, Rashid. Appreciate that, man. Dude, nice, nice intro. I appreciate that, man. Dude, thank you. I mean, thanks again for coming on. This is it's been an, it's been a wild ride for sure amazing we i think we have a little bit of like a delay is that cool with you it's cool with me if it's cool with you oh it's totally cool with me okay awesome man um but yeah thank you again for the intro very kind um <laughs> yeah that's a lot of records man i'm like thinking back i'm like yeah wow there was wayward fire daydream forever felt honeymoon drips and then all the teenagers stuff there's a lot of stuff it's a lot of I've stuff been doing this for too long yeah it's, but it's <laughs> all it's all bangers it's all hits oh Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Before we got on the pod, you were just telling me that you just came in from surfing. I, All my friends from New York moved to LA and now they're all surfer bros too. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things. I think everybody, um, at least I hope that everybody within their life can find like that one thing that's kind of outside of what you usually do as far as a, a career and, um, you know, yeah, it just, it's something that happened. So I grew up in Hawaii. Um, I spent the ages of three to 13 on the big island. Um, and I, unfortunately, I never surfed. I just mm -hmm. think it was a little too difficult for me to kind of get around to getting that. Um, but the, the vibe, the culture, everything 
I think was just always around me. And then, uh, yeah, it was like 2012 or 13, um, around there. And I had like finally just kind of like gotten a lot of negative stuff out of my life. And um, there was this urge. So I had a few songwriting buddies who surfed big time and they were like, come out, you need this, just come and, you know, come with us. So I went to Huntington and got my ass handed to me and <laughs> I was, I was, I was hooked. I was hooked ever since. So yeah, man, it's the a first huge, wave always bodied always. Oh my God. I think they, I think they took me out on like a six foot day at Huntington cliffs and like, I mean, it was just body rocking, but it was, it was epic. I was hooked instantly was like, I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm doing, oh, I'm definitely. doing all this. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. And as you can see, you, you won't be able to see it on, on the podcast, but you can see my wetsuit tan going all the <laughs> way there from my neck. Like it's insane. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never be able to get rid of that. So that's your gains right now. And that's how you stay active. Yeah, it's good, man. It's, you know, and it's, it's been a big, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody obviously has been going through a crazy year, but it was a big, uh, it was a big support system, I think, during this whole like COVID year. Um, and as I was telling you earlier, I, my good buddy, Christo from the band Bad Sons, he started getting interested in surfing. So I took him and his girlfriend out. So they got hooked and we basically go every single day. And then my buddy, Justin Batman, he's like a great photographer. He, he shot the album cover for my album felt and he just cover. moved to L he just, thank you. He just moved to LA, um, like kind of right, right when the COVID thing was starting. Mm -hmm. So he started surfing and then this crew just kind of built up. So it's been a, it's been a really positive force, I think during this very negative year or negative past year, I should say. Definitely, definitely. And so, like you said, you're based out of Los Angeles? Yes. So after Hawaii, I moved to Colorado. So I was like in the Denver suburbs for uh, 12 years. And then in 2010, I signed my first record deal and I was given like a really small advance. I think it was like five grand to put in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck it, I'm moving to Los Angeles. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I moved to LA in Jan January 4th of 2011. So it's crazy. I've actually been here for 10 years now, which is kind of wild. That's amazing. And you love it, Oh, right? can I, I swear sometimes, is that okay? <laughs> oh no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. All okay, ages cool. here. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so LA, LA based and it's great, man. It's awesome. They say they don't have, there's like no culture in LA, but you know, there's so much there there's culture here but if that's if that statement's coming from people in new york it you know i i can't stand when people compare la and new york oh dude you know granted yeah they're both they're both major cities but they're so different you can't like you can't compare them definitely they not. both have these beautiful aspects and these cons i'm sorry these these pros and cons but um yeah they're they're two completely different beasts i don't think you can you can really you can really pinpoint those two and compare them I'm actually going out to Los Angeles next month. I mean, I have a huge, huge like soft spot for Los Angeles. I go like every year for production and honestly, yeah, it's no comparison. I mean, I grew up in Philly and I oh, lived yeah. all of my life in like New York as well. Part of my life in New York, but part of my life is also in Los Angeles, but there is no comparison. Okay. For sure. No, I get it. <laughs> 
Camden, congrats on putting out your EP, new EP besides. Yo, Thank I'm you. not going to lie. I've been playing that nonstop in the bath, yo. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Thank you so much. But, you know, it's so it's so cool to see the reception. Um, those songs, it was very positive, you know. Um, and, you know, stop me if you want to ask these kind of questions later. I'm not trying to, like, jump into it. But it's always it's always an interesting thing when you get done with a record and then you're, you're then left with these tracks that didn't make it. So I was sitting on those four um, at one point, I didn't want to put them on the record, but it just, I think the overall feeling and the overall, I think, general aesthetic that I built up with Honeymoon Drips was, it, it was, it was much more mellow and somber and, and uh, I think cinematic is the word uh, to describe that album. So these four tracks definitely kind of had what I think what I would do in the past with very big choruses and that kind of stuff so at the end of the day i made a decision to leave them off the record but having the freedom to do whatever i want you know mm -hmm. being technically unsigned and doing it myself um yeah i could do whatever i want so i finally decided i'm like hey let's just put these out let's see how it does and it was it was really cool it was a great reception so you're out of the major record label that you had yes yeah thank god um yeah <laughs> i so, hear you that know, all that the was, time yeah. now that they all want to bounce out of their big labels it's just it's crazy look i think and I've, I've done a lot of thinking on this and i still do a lot of thinking on it it's pretty incredible that my music took me to the to that level like it is amazing that yes i, I was on warner brothers i did end up moving to a subsidiary of capital um and like that in itself is it's it's a good feeling it does feel good but i think once you kind of get yourself into that system like that major label system is not, it's not meant for a lot of people. No. Um, and the Warner Brothers situation was, was pretty interesting. And look, at the end of the day, there were people who were fighting for me and they're, I, 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 I tip my hat to them. Um, they were supportive. They were really happy that a band like mine was finally on the roster because like, they're, you know, they would be like, this is something we, can re we want, really want to get behind. We're so sick of all this other bullshit we have to push that we don't care about. But at the end of the day, it just didn't work. It wasn't, it was, and I was fortunate to be able to get out of the deal. Um, they kept the record, but after, I think it was even before Daydream Forever came out, we already started the process of being like, we want off the label. Mm -hmm. I think after, so then I, I ended up signing a distribution deal, like a licensing deal with Caroline Records for Felt. And that was just the, that was an absolute nightmare. I don't think they did a single thing for me. Aside from like making music videos and stuff, it was just kind of like, here's a record. And then I think they just kind of pushed it to the side. Um, but that happens, man. It's like that, it's that typical major label story. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's that story that I, I heard about constantly growing up from like a lot of bands that I would love. And then I would see them start off on the indie labels and move to the majors. And then the major record would always flop. Yeah. So yeah, after that, I decided no more. I'm just going to, try and do this on my own and so far so good it's, Dude, so it's far, a lot more work so but it's it's been fun it's definitely been it's been fun yeah and you know going back to the besides ep and you said it was cinematic i mean like all four tracks are soothing as how i mean i see all the growth of the chain gang like formed into this ep like you know fall right. into me with the theatrical ready player one 36 second intro got me pumped 
dude, that's amazing. Well, that song was originally written for, I got asked to write a song for Bill and Ted 3, the movie, which was like a dream come true for me because like I grew up idolizing Bill and Ted. And yeah, last, I guess like last minute, the song didn't make the cut. So I was just sitting on this track. Um, so good. Well, that's, I, I think that's why it's so cinematic, you know, because I wanted to kind of do that very like, like Robbie Rob in time style, like backwards guitar intro, you know, mm, like yeah. Bill and Ted are in the, the futuristic place with everybody. I was like, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta do that. It was sick. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The chorus was so good. It's been a while since you put out videos, but I hope this one gets a music video for sure. Like I can already see it, you know? I mean, it would be great, but that, that kind of goes back to the, uh, you know, I think when you do have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want and in my position now kind of having this very small label, it's, you know, it's a, it's the best way to describe it is like a boutique label. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it allows me to present my music, I think in a, in a, um, more professional way, as opposed to just releasing it and not really having some sort of foundation behind it. Um, but music videos are really, really expensive and I'm funding this all myself. So it's, yeah, I, 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 I hear that often by fans. They're like, come on, you haven't had a music video in forever. You, yeah. like, well, you, don't, you don't get it. Like it, no. costs, it costs at least 10 to 15 grand to get like a good music video. What's really funny is the reason, like low key, the reason why we're, we're both like a little late to this like podcast episode right now is because I've been talking to my friend Dan Sintrone, who who does music videos out in Los Angeles. And I have to go out to LA to find billboards. And we were talking about all of this, like cost and like the budget for like a music video. And then I have another friend that I'm like working on this coffee project who has like this thing with a squirrel. Have you been to squirrel in Los Angeles? Oh yeah. 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 The spot on the side. Yeah, yeah. So I've been talking about all this like Los Angeles stuff and like all this budget thing. And like, dude, the fans don't know. It's yeah, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It costs a lot of money. And it, you know, what? honestly, I think music videos, unless you're going to do something groundbreaking that you truly believe is going to like pop off on YouTube or whatever the cool kids are watching, you know, young kids are watching now these days, whether it's TikTok or something. I mean, there's no real point. No. There, there's no real point. It's going to, it's going to live there. It's just a visual aspect. Um, and look, if I had the budget, I would do it, but I don't. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going back to the label that was funding felt the videos for felt were, I mean, amazing. I mean, I mean, all right. Thank so you. going, going to a classic with heaven on the pollen EP, you had the hilarious mm -hmm. cameo performance of Coral B in the dance moves. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, but that's the result of like a lot of what I've done the last few years is, is the result of like not having money to yeah. put towards this kind of stuff. So I just hit him up and it was just, you know, I was, I just messaged him. I was like, listen, dude, this is who I am. This is what I do. If you want to do a video, amazing. If not, no worries. And he said, I'll do it. And he just did it for free. I didn't have to pay him anything. But he, yeah. And it was, it's amazing. That's, a, that's another thing that I'm like working on right now too. I've been like, I like downloaded cameo and I've been trying to find like B list, like actors to like oh, promote yeah. this new release for me. And I was just like, yeah, they're like all not good except for Ice Cube or, or uh, <laughs> I don't even know. There's just like a bunch what of like, vanilla this, ice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, you found him and that was great. But then going to the actual 
full production of the videos on the felt album you know slow with the legend morgan freed and his writer cry collective yeah yeah morgan's a homie uh that was that was really really great you know and then he they had this relationship with tears your fears in the past so we got kurt smith to be in the video which was for me an absolute dream dream come true because you know tears your fears are some of my idols so that was pretty incredible but it was really good working with them we did the forget video with elisa nick and famous he did that so good like i love i really love that video dude the different disciplines and the dancing the art form is simply like elegant it it was it was beautiful yeah they did a really great job um i think that was it. i think we just did two videos for that record but you know that's also that's like that's big production video as well yeah no those well yeah, and that's why I'm not recouped on that deal because the label did nothing, but they spent money on, on videos. So, yeah, I'm still in the hole on that album. <laughs> you can dance, though. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know I, you got I another dancer on that video? Yeah, we got the real dancer, but I had to do some moves on there. You got, you know? Yeah, I was like, who, who, who choreographed this? Elisa made it easy. She made it very easy. So she's always she's a sweetheart and she's like the best to work with so it was fun it was a good time so good and then out of nowhere the docu video for wallflowers also a favorite track off that record hell yeah hell yeah thank you man very moving yeah that one that one was interesting looking back on it yeah like uh, so isaac ravishankara who directed that video he's been a good friend for for a long time um great dude super super talented i love his work that video for me now that i look back on it i maybe i probably would have wanted to go a different route to be honest with you like i think it would like the the the, the sentiment of the video is very beautiful mm-hmm. um but i think for that song we probably should have went we probably should have done something else really yeah that's like one video and like this has nothing to do with isaac because the work he did was great this is just my taste um yeah looking back on that i probably i i wish we had done something else interesting i just think that 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 song i don't know that song needed something else for it and i think at the time was just kind of like well this is the only this is the only treatment that's really working at the moment and that's also the hard part about music videos you know you get i remember when i was in teenage risk it's like we would get so many treatments like five Mm. to six and it just they all sucked i was like this is not this is not what i think the band should look like how the band should represent it and i'm and it's it's a it's a blessing and it's a and a curse, but I'm I pay so much attention to aesthetic. I pay so much attention to how things are supposed to be presented, and if it's slightly off, I'm like I'm a I'm an absolute nightmare to be with. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why Teenage Wrist. I think we only did one we only did one video. We did a video for Stone Alone, like that was it. Because like we want, I think we were gonna do a video for Dweeb, but we just couldn't find any good treatments. And we basically, I was just like, yo, fuck this. Let's just pull the plug. And we all agreed that let's just leave it. Damn. So it happened. That's what I was like picking and choosing with all the music videos that you've had. Even though you have these like legend, like not like favorable directors, it feels Mm -hmm. like you're also co-directing the whole thing. Well, I can't take, I can't take credit for that. Like I'm definitely not there. They're fully in charge of it um but when it does come to the editing like when i want when i see the first draft of it like if there's stuff if there's certain scenes that made the cut that i think are kind of lame and don't work like i'm like yo let's change this i I remember Mm -hmm. we did this one throw that one in there i definitely like to be involved with music videos like like a sleepwalking video this guy tomas whitmore i think he did the album he did the video and that was just kind of like a big budget obviously that, that the sleepwalking track was like 
doing really, really well at that time. So they just needed something quick. Um, and I think that was maybe like the first treatment I saw for it. And it was perfect. I was like, yo, this is, this is awesome. Go for it. And then when I got the first cut, I was like, unbelievable. Like you guys killed it. And it was nice because I didn't have to be in it. It just, I didn't, I didn't want to be for that album cycle. I didn't want to be in any of the music videos, mm. even though we only did one, but um, yeah, that one worked out too. So I think I've had some good luck. <laughs> yeah. Your music has completely grown from electronic to soothing pop hits that you can definitely listen to while taking a long drive, especially obviously in Los Angeles. Your Spotify bio says it's okay to feel. I mean, you put out a bunch of feelers and it's good. It's like, it sounds like 80s, 90s romantic soundtracks for movies like The Breakfast Club. Like, mm-hmm. Do people tell mm-hmm. you that you should be making more soundtracks for movies like i mean obviously the bill and ted yeah but i mean that's something i would absolutely love to do that world is so oversaturated now it's like really difficult and like that's also been kind of you know it's it's interesting as as a like a a a modern day musician you have to constantly be paying attention because it used to be once every 10 years, things would shift over, then once every seven, then the five. Now I feel like truly it's once every six months, it's just, everything's changing. Exactly. Like there's a new pop star, there's, a, there's new this, new that, new band. And it's a lot. It just, yeah, it, it, it just, it is a lot to pay attention to. But I think for me, like my ultimate goal was, you know, I started this project in 2006 and it was just a way for me to, I was in a band before that, just like mm-hmm. a local band in Denver, and we had some buzz. We did. I remember we flew to New York once to do a showcase for Atlantic, which was like an absolute disaster. But after that, you know, pr- or I'm sorry, prior to that, we had just bought, we had bought like a, a pretty cheap interface. I think we got Pro Tools and just started like demoing ourselves. Um, so I think I knew that the band was coming to an end and I took it upon myself to just start learning some production so all like the really early chain gang stuff where, you know, the, the band essentially started because like I heard Primal Scream's Exterminator and it was for me, it was just this like incredible blend of alternative rock, trip hop and electronic music. Um, and I was such a big, I, I was at the time, I was a really, really big fan of the band Kasabian. So when I heard Exterminator, I was like, oh, Kasabian essentially is just doing this on repeat. So um that kind of influenced the the wheels to start moving um but i was also this is also in the time when like the whole dimac records world was huge so you had like like the justice and sebastian Kaczynski. like it was like you know before the dubstep medium it was like yeah exactly it was that whole like a blog house and it was it was a really cool time to be alive i mean we would just go i would be like 19 go to these like weird nightclubs in denver i'm like yo this is this is amazing this is such a cool world because i grew up in like the punk and emo scene going like punk shows and emo shows like my whole life and then all of a sudden i was like exactly like warp torn 99 was my very first show so then i'm introduced to kind of like this like new world which really influenced me and i essentially pressed pause on my listening to like anything punk related and I just, you know, any typical 18 or 19 year old, you become too cool for what you liked when you were a kid. <laughs> so I started just like moving into like more of like the indie rock world, the early 2000s, like New York indie movement, all those bands in Toronto. And it was, it was epic. Um, but yeah, you know, it just, it started out, I think my goal was to kind of portray like that style of 
a lot of those like blog house stuff. Um, but it was mainly, it mainly started out that way because I was primarily just a bass player. And I, I didn't want to be in a band with anybody because I was like, well, I have these ideas. It doesn't seem like anyone wants to fuck with them. So I'm just going to do it myself. So all the early Chain Gang shows were just, I had a bass guitar run through a Big Muff pedal. And then I had a, a little iPod Nano, like the tiny little things with just instrumental, tr instrumental tracks. And I would essentially just like plug it in and I would play these shows. And it was just me on there with like, I had like some rototons, the cowbell set up. And it was just these like really, really fun, even like borderline punk rock style shows and like these basements of like coffee shops and churches and all this kind of stuff. And then I started to like kind of experiment and like learn more instruments. So from there, I was like, oh, now I'm able to kind of like write some different style songs. So um, it went through like a good four years of like building and experimenting. And I think in 2011, when Wayward Fire came out, that was like, that was kind of the first step up of like, okay, I'm able to like write songs and be able to kind of do whatever it is that I want to do and like, you know, present them in the manner that I would like them to be presented. It's just kind of continued since then, I think. Which was so good because your musical style, like it's different every time, but you took a breather from 2014 to 2017 to drop your next record from Daydream Forever to Felt. Like what were yeah. you up to during that period? That Okay, so that was that was interesting because it was a really, really beautiful time in my life. It was just kind of this newfound freedom. I started surfing. I, you know, I think, I think around that time I like quit smoking cigarettes. So I, I was like, I got like really healthy and it was just this like, it's good. It was, I kind of had this new view on life, um, exercising like crazy. It was, it was pretty incredible. So, you know, I went from this moment of like recording daydream. I went there with my buddy Isom. Uh, we did the first two records together. So we moved to Malibu for four weeks and just like rented out this house and like, so I would surf every day. We'd have like a healthy breakfast and we'd like write and record for, you know, seven, eight hours a day and then like call it and then just like hang out. And it was, it was unbelievable. Living. Um, truly. So I went from this like ultimate high of being extremely proud of making this album that I, you know, and not to sound conceited, but to this day, I feel like there's no album that sounds like that. It was a, it was time and place. I'll never, ever be able to replicate it. I've tried to, it's not happening. You know, it was just a, so I think when you- Are you talking about felt? I'm talking about Daydream. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's you know, this was, this was, it was, it was just this, it was a very beautiful time in my life. Yeah. Um, and I think when you kind of get out of a really unhealthy relationship, you go through phases. Definitely. So for Wayward Fire was like the sadness phase. And then by the time I got to Daydream Forever was the angry phase. I was over it, but I still had the anger. So that album, it's extremely aggressive. It's extremely raw. There are mistakes on it that we kept on purpose. It's, there's something there that I, it was just, it was part of that room, it was part of the magic. And like I was saying, I don't think it like ever be replicated. Um, so coming off, so coming off that, you then hit this like whole thing of Grand Theft Auto V and then one of you sleepwalking and it just became this absolute explosion. And, and for me, it was like always my dream to have this thing become what it is. Um, so it was on the trajectory to do that. And then Warner Brothers, let's just say they fucked up a lot and <laughs> it just kind of, it just kind of like mellowed out fairly quickly. Yeah. And so by that point, I was really bitter. 
And I was like, I don't want to do, I, I think I toured off that record for maybe a year and then I was like, I'm done. Um, so yeah, it, it, I got home and it was a lot of kind of like reflecting and like what it is that I want to do um, and figuring things out. But because of that time, that's when Teenage Risk started because I was so fed up with anything chain gang related. So I called Marshall who, so Marshall and I, we went to the same high school in Colorado and like had known each other in all these different local bands in Colorado. And he's nice. like one of the best songwriters I've ever known. He's one of the best guitar players I've ever known. Um, so I called him one day. I was like, Hey man, like kind of fed up with all this changing shit. I want to just take a little breather. You want to just come over and like write some songs. I don't know what it's going to be. And um, I think originally we were like super down to the idea of it to sound like Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Like that, I was just like, I want a band that sounds like BRMC. Yo, you amazing. Know? Yeah. Amazing. And then um, no one gets it when I lo- like that band too. It's kind of funny. BRMC, so, dude, th- those first three records are godlike. And then when so, they took, when they toured with uh, Death from Above, I was like, yo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How old are you? I'm 30. Mm-hmm. So you get it. You get it. You're around for that stuff. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so that slowly became a thing. So we did a few songs, and then I think the idea of uh, the teenage wrist track "Slide Away" was something that I had had before I went into do "Daydream." Mm-hmm. Like the chord progression and the melody. Um, so I remember we were just sitting in my house, and I was like, "What do you think about this?" And I started playing it, and he's like, oh, "Dude, this is great." So that's when kind of the door opened for that band. Um, at least for Marshall and I to understand what it was that we were doing. So to answer your question, that's why there was a, that's why there was about a three year gap between. Records. I knew that so there I was a focus- gap in between and like when Teenage Risk came through. And I remember when I was working at this design studio and I, I don't know if I found it through Tumblr or something, but I was like, all right, let me try this Teenage Risk thing from your project. So I didn't even like know it was like, the same person but it sounded familiar but there was no connection you know there wasn't yeah we we i, I deliberately kind of did that I, was good. I was like i don't want i was like i don't want this thing to kind of be like a chain gang side project i just wanted this to like let's just you know separately let's just let let's just be very very hands-off and just see what happens yeah it was crazy because the the so i think we put our first song out in 2015 and it was afterglow and two hours later Gerard Way from my chem like tweeted about the song and we're like what the hell like how did he hear this so then it just kind of it's just started moving kind of instantly and then next thing you know we signed to Epitaph and that was the whole that, that was EP whole was thing. a classic though like seriously thank you like, yeah I love that shit I'm still I'm still really I'm still really 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 proud of like the day's EP and Chromium Jesus like that's the kind of music I think I always wanted to make and it was it was a that kind of goes back to the whole sentiment of like, there were these certain moments that you don't think you have control over. It's just the mm. universe pulling you in this direction and you just go with it. And you end up, uh, you end up coming up with something that you're proud of. It, and it was so good. I mean, since I'm from Philly, we have the band Nothing. And so you guys have yeah. like, it was like a lighter or a more upbeat Nothing. And honestly, I had that EP on repeat. And when you guys signed oh, yeah. up, it was fast. You guys were moving fast. Yeah, it was maybe two. Well, I was gonna catch you guys at the like PlayStation could, Theater here, and I was like, "Dude, I don't oh, even have on the time." Thrice tour, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was maybe too fast. It was and too fast that I didn't even get to what, catch you guys. 
I think that's that's what led to like the demise of that version of Teenage Risk, to be honest with you. Um, And, you know, before I say anything, we're all super, super cool now. Oh, yeah. There was a when I quit the band, there was a year where we didn't speak. Um, but you know, life's too short. I think we both, we all realized that. So we ended up getting it all behind us, but I think that was the reason, one of the reasons why it was, it was a really difficult thing to be in that band just because, you know, it was Marshall and I doing everything. And then we started getting show offers. So it's like, we need a drummer. And Marshall's like, I know this guy, Anthony. So, but like, I was never really his, I didn't ever knew him. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're you're signed to the biggest independent label in the world, which is Epitaph, and like a dream label for me, especially growing up in the scenes that I did. Exactly. And then it's like you're put on the road, and you're put on the road as a completely new band. But I've already been through that before for myself. Yeah. So like, been through this I've already been through, I've been through the shit, and I was able to kind of step up. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm like thrown right back down into the shit, and. As and at the time, I was like my I was in my early thirties. I'm thirty five now, so all of a sudden, I'm like back to being in a in like a shitty van with like no crew whatsoever, and like we're starting tours in London, Ontario, with no dates in between. And so it was just like we were forced. I Marshall and I have spoken about this before, and it's nice that we're very we're very cool right now because um, we're able to kind of look back on those difficult times, but we were forced to be a band basically. That's kind of like, that's kind of how I look at it. Like as far as creating music together, there's like something very, very magical when him and I get in a room. Um, but being in a band together was, it was, it was difficult. We're just, we're, we, I think we're two different personalities. Like I'm at fault, he's at fault. Like, like it just, it was a, it was a bad recipe, but um, classic. we can look back. Classic we look back on it. Story. Yeah. Classic band <laughs> shit. But we look back on, on like, you know, we've gotten, we've gotten on fights on stage and all that stuff. And we look back on it now and just laugh. So it's fine. Which is beautiful only because of the fact that, you know, Marshall Gallagher, your former bandmate, as you mentioned, you guys are still doing the, the damn thing with Heavenward. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was funny. Cause like, yeah. so, so from that, so I think I finished so Teenage Risk started in 2015, but then I started recording and writing Felt in 2016. The record came out in 2017. I did two tours leading up to the release, uh, one show on release day. And then I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to tour. It's a money pit. It's just, I, I, I'm done doing this. Um, so that's when I think the, the focus shifted over the wrist. We got signed and then it was like tour, tour, tour. Uh, which was incredible. Like I, I think I took a lot of it for granted. Yes, there were times that were everyone can agree really sucked, um, <laughs> but there were also times that were pretty pretty incredible. Especially like playing Reading and Leeds as a new band. Like that's a that's an ultimate dream for anybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I knew I was going to leave. And so the last two tours I really kind of cherished. Um, the one with Thrice in the Bronx and the one with Nothing in Basement afterwards. So, did you ever think that... you were going to tour with those bands when? No, because Chain, because Chain Gang doesn't tour with those bands. No, Chain, Chain Gang only tours with like you know radio. Well, no, but the the last, so the last tour Chain Gang ever did was with AFI for for like two weeks. So that was really weird. 
that we toured with AFI. Amazing. Legendary. Yeah. Yeah. It was legendary. Those, those dudes were really, really, really awesome. Except complete change for AFI now. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't work. It, well, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that the chain gang on that tour didn't work. It was like, it was the first and only time I've ever had stuff thrown at me on stage. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't work. Damn. But yeah, but so then I decided to leave the band for many reasons, a lot, a lot of personal reasons, a lot of reasons just within the band. I just, you know, it, it, it was, I could go on forever about it, but I'm not, I'm not going to. Yeah. It's kind of, it's wild that there's still, you know, Marshall's still doing the, doing this thing with. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. You know, Marshall and Anthony, they, I, I really, uh, I really admire them. They, they did it. They, they were prepared. They knew it was coming. Um, and, you know, look, they made a great record. People love that band. People love the two records. To me, I think it's it's beautiful that there are two entities of that band. You know, there's like my era, then there's like the new era. And like, I've always liked when bands have something like that to offer. So Definitely. Um, yeah, there, I'm sure there are people who love the new era way more. And I'm sure there are people who love the old era way more. It just, you know, I, it's all just comes it's, down to taste. It's just, it's all different. I mean, shout out to New Wrist on- Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Like. I'm so proud of those boys, but yeah, I felt the urge to, I really missed making that kind of music. I, I missed it, especially kind of coming off the heels of Honeymoon Drips and, and focusing like about a year and a half, two years on like new chain gang stuff. I was like, man, I like, you know, cause I listen to so much hardcore. I listen to so much punk, like, you know, post hardcore. I like heavy music. Like heavy music is, is my main, it's like my main thing. And of course I have such a love for like the nineties and the shoegaze and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I just started messing around and I met up with my buddy. This was like right before COVID hit. I met up with my buddy, Chris Lorenz. who's like a great producer out here. Um, and I was, I, I was like, Hey, I have this song. It's, it's called whole, like, do you want to, do you want to just like record and like produce it and like, you know, co-write with me. So we did the track and it was like, came out really cool. And then I was like, man, and it's funny because my brain was really during that time. And this is, this kind of goes back again to how the universe works. My brain kind of kept telling me like, I really miss Marshall, like miss him as a friend. I miss his guitar playing so much. Like, man, it'd be sick to have him on this. And then he like texted me a week later and was like, Hey dude, like, oh, just want to say like, love it. Like congrats on honeymoon drips, like great record. I was like, dude, I love you. Let's squash all this bullshit. There's no point. So we, you know, we were totally cool. And then I was like, yo, like, I have this new project. I'd love for you to mix it. And like, if you think there could be any like guitar stuff, like I'll send you the stems, go nuts. So he ended up sending a mix with like the solo. I was like, dude, you nailed it. Like epic. So wow. I put the song out and then, you know, started picking up again, just weirdly started picking. I always feel that the, the projects that I don't care about end up doing the best in a it way. Happens. It happens all the it happens. time. And it's, and it's a Why good thing. Is that? It's a great thing. Why is that? We'll so weird know. so yeah so then and ended up being a thing where we kind of had a chat and i was just like if you want i'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here i don't want you giving me any of your good ideas that you can have for wrist it's just like i'm writing songs if you're okay with me coming to you with these songs and you can like help me kind of build some stuff out you know i'm obviously nowhere near as good of a guitar player he is so i'm like I kind of want to do this chord. Can you make it better? And he'll grab and make it better. And he'll add a part. And then it ended up being this really cool uh, collaboration. So yeah, we've done like two more songs since. I just got done um, recording the next single. Um, 
and Carlos de la Garza, who produced Chrome Neon Jesus, is producing this new Heavenward stuff, which is pretty cool. So, right. um, yeah, so it's it's kind of we're bringing it we're bringing it all back to how it was. Wow, full circle. Yeah. Full circle, man, hundred percent. I mean, MJ Dash yeah. Twelve is so good in a dream. Fire. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much, man. Fire. I appreciate that. Thank Coming you. all the way across the country. So I love that. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like those songs are recorded with no budget, self-releasing it via Fever Limited. But you know, I've been doing fun physical releases of like we're doing like you know 25 limited like picture disc final like seven inches, and then they they sold the first pressing sold out in 10 seconds. And then the second pressing sold out in like 10 minutes. I was like, what the hell? And then Damn, nice. it's got, it's got, it got played on triple J in Australia. And this is all just like the universe doing it. So it's, oh, yeah. uh, it's pretty, this is, it was pretty this is cool. real, um, viral. It, yeah. hundred. It just, it did it. So yeah. Spotify took notice, added the songs to a bunch of playlisting. So that was really cool. And yeah, so yeah, I'm just gonna, just gonna keep doing it. It's like, as long as I have time, as long as Marshall and Carlos have time, like, whenever I write a song, record it, and maybe a record will come out. I'd like to do a record, but it just, that takes a lot of work. Yeah, and definitely. I don't, I, yeah, I'd have to figure that one out, so. It's cool that Epitaph is allowing, or it doesn't have to be like in the contract or anything like that for Marshall to like also just do his thing. No, no, you know, and, and he's not like technically a member of this project. So, mm. you know, you're able to, you're able to co-write with anybody, you know what I mean? Like, and, especially especially uh specifically with uh with epitaph we signed a publishing deal where they're only working any of the publishing that has anything to do with the name and the entity teenage risk mm. so you know that was like an incentive for us it's like you know they're not touching any of my chain gang stuff marshall and anthony can do whatever else they want to do like that's all all that's left alone it's only what they have to do with with teenage risk so yeah there, there's no conflict i think for me it was just like a personal conflict of making sure like out of respect to them, I was like, look, like we're on great terms. I don't want to screw this up. Make sure I don't, you know, like I want you to be 100% cool and comfortable with me, uh, you know, or I'm, I'm sorry, with you working on this with me. So it's been fun. So much fun, you know, and then when you yeah. put out Honeymoon, it has some shoegaze sensibilities in there too as well. It, definitely, definitely, yeah. You're just mix, You're just um, blending everything you know this is growth yo yeah yeah exactly you know that that yeah i i really you know because i can look back on certain records like wayward fire i'll look back on that record i'm like it does have some really great moments but that was like a frankenstein album you know i got signed on a on like an independent so in 2010 i released an album called white guts and that was like just i think two years of working on music in denver and then I released it. And a week after I released it, I basically got hit up by Warner Brothers. So like, we want to sign you, discontinue the record now because Best. we want to take songs from that record. I was like, cool. So that, that album was like kind of, it was hidden for a long time. I re somewhat recently put it on, on Spotify just because I own it. So I figured why not. But so Wayward Fire was like a Frankenstein. It was like half of the songs in White Guts. And then I wrote like another half of new songs and then put that together so that's why it's a little mismatched mm -hmm. um but it did what it's it did what it did that album you know built up my initial fan base they got songs in some really great video games and movies so totally cool um but i feel i feel like for me 
it comes down to two records and that's daydream and honeymoon drips but honeymoon was like this this moment of like all that stuff put together and me being like well I'm older. I don't really care about having this, like these like anthemic choruses and like, you know, 10 layers of guitars. Like I kind of just want to like tone things down. Kind of, I took kind of took a few pages of the book of like the blue Nile. And then weirdly enough, Laney, I've, I've gotten this really huge Laney kick. Weird. And I just really love, yeah, blue very Nile's weird. But I fell in, yeah. Blue Nile are like legends, Always. but um, definitely but I think the biggest influences for that record are the blue Nile. Bruce Hornsby and Laney. Which is so, so wild. Cause just, yeah, I was going to say like, you know, you write pop music, right? Like, yeah, I can't help it though. That's the problem. Even if I don't want to write a pop song, a pop song comes out and I can't, even with heaven word, it's still pop based. Yeah. It's but like, you're not, you're not right. Writing like corny shit, you know, like, well, no, that's, that's one thing. No, I, I, I you know, I, I think I've like talked to this about my, to my wife, like kind of recently, like, I always have to have an X factor to it. There's always got to be an X factor. Like it can't just be like a bubblegum bullshit. Cause I, I can't fucking stand that shit. But as long as there's something there to differentiate and whether it's like the choice in synths, whether it's the choice in a lyric, whether it's like the choice in how the bridge is going to break down, like all that stuff for me, there's always got to be something to like differentiate how it's going to go. Um, and I think like you even pointed out, like you can hear these tiny shoegaze elements kind of sprinkled around certain stuff, whether it's like all the reverb and the vocals and, mm. um, but yeah, I'm really proud of that album. Like I'll go back in that record. I'm like, yeah, there really isn't a moment on this that I don't like, like this, this, you got balance, this is, yeah. so thank you, man. Yeah, it was good. I'm very lucky. I had some, I had amazing, amazing collaborators and co-writers on that record. So like. It was all homies, like just homies, like no one outside, just like, yo, let's get together. Let's write some songs. And it was, it was, really I was, fun. I mean, I was surprised like this, this should be on like radio, like maybe serious, like some shit. Like it's. Well, that's where you need the label. That's where you need the radio department. You know that, what I mean? So which is that, so that wild. All, like, if, I know goes, if you yeah. drop that on a major, damn, maybe it would have gone. You never know. Yeah. You never know. You never know. But, but that's, that's the thing. There's, I don't think there's a real formula to this. You know, it's like, I thought Wallflowers off of Felt would have done something great, but um, it, I think it's all comes down to the company you keep. You know, you need a support system, especially in the major world. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be, they could be into you. And then the day of your album release, the person who's in charge is fired. And then you're just left with a new person who doesn't give a shit about you. Oh, no. And then the album just kind of floats. I call it like the major label cloud. It just floats away and that's it. Definitely. That's it. So it's just, it's kind of the price you pay and it's the risk you take um, with, with Sino majors and even indies. Indies will do the same thing too. You know, the whole music industry is based on who's hot and who's, that's it. Like the next, the next thing, move it, come on, go, go, go. And then you have all these other artists who are just kind of left behind. Um, it's, it's wild. It's a wild industry that I truly hate. <laughs> it really is. And so that's when, I guess you started out Fever Limited. Like, so is that why you wanted to start a record label? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I know I'm going to have the same question when it comes to, or the same answer when it comes to design work. Mm. Um, <laughs> but this goes back to the whole aesthetic thing. I knew I was not going to resign to anybody and I knew I was just going to start releasing stuff on my own. But I didn't want 
on the all the DSPs to just say like released under Chain Gang Amendment 74. I, it just doesn't look good to me. It looks it looks amateur. I wanted to say I wanted it to look like there was a record label involved. Mm. So I was just brainstorming names like ah, Fever Limited sounds kind of cool. So I, that became my quote unquote record label. So um, there was no website. There was nothing. It just I just started releasing music under that under that record label. And then I started to notice some like some really small bands would hit me up and be like, hey, dude, like, could, could we where can we send demos to Fever Limited? I was like, what the? F-? I was like, uh, I don't know. Just send me a song or something. Damn. Um, and then I started moving fast like, again. You moving fast again. So I this think- isn't LA time either. This is an LA fast. This is New York fast. It is in New York fast. Uh, you know, I credit to my wife. She kind of like, she really like uh, encouraged me to like make something real out of it. And so I was like, well, and I, you know, obviously, and then I, you know, how a lot of these very DIY punk labels and like hardcore labels are, are operating. It's so cool. So this very cool community, everything very DIY. It's like super limited runs on cassettes, this, this, this. And it's just, they're signing really, really, really rad shit. So shout out um, to my buddy Nick Acosta at New Morality Zine, amazing label. Um, but I just started becoming a big fan of what he was doing. He was just releasing such great records, but he's a teacher. He's just a teacher in Chicago and has this record label on the side. It's really cool. Oh, that's so, a lot of professors um, out in Philly. <laughs> it's sick, dude. I love it. So uh, we ended up connecting on Instagram and um kind of building like I've still to this day I've never met him but it turns out we have all these like mutual homies from Colorado and all this stuff so um yeah I, I really he has been really amazing and has like kind of coached me in the beginning of like how to kind of operate and do certain things because again it's such a small operation it's like it's very every release we do is ve- it's very limited um mainly because of the manpower it's just me in my place with like a bunch of boxes and packages and I'm just like putting stuff together as orders come um but I started thinking huh how could I kind of like turn this into something so um shout out to Valley Heart you know they put out an amazing record in 2018 on Rise Records which I feel like did not get the love it deserved so um I just hit him up I was like yo dude I have this label can I do you think the label would give me the rights to release on a cassette tape and rise gave me their blessing and i just put it on a cassette and amazing. then it sold out i was like oh amazing and then all the chain gang stuff was selling out i was like okay cool so now it's like starting to move a little bit where um i just i just signed this band called mascara out of france like amazing grunge post shoegaze band and um yeah we just dropped their ep on cassette i'm waiting on new music from them to like you know hopefully move forward with like their second ep and or technically their third, but um, it's fun, man. I really, I really like it. It's just a fun project to have. So, where are you finding these yeah. bands as well? Like, is it all your I'm, dude, I'm, taste? I'm like a, I'm like a digger, man. Like, I just dig and dig and dig for music. Like, if you know, you, if I was doing this interview in the, the living room, you would see my record collection. It's just like, I love buying records. I love finding bands. So I'm just, you know, I live, breathe, and eat music. I'm just constantly doing it. That's me. So I get joy in like finding new bands and like telling people about it. It just, but I've always been that way. I used to write for a web scene when mm. I was like 17 to like 19 or 20 or something like that. Um, it was this website called absolutepunk.net. It was like 
the oh, biggest I, web zine for that I world. I love absolutepunk.net. Yeah, dude. It was, so it's Chorus FM now, but I was the head writer at Absolute Punk. No like way. Years. One of the head writers, yes. If Jason Tate hears this interview, he'd probably be like, you're not the head writer, but... Um, but yeah, oh. yeah, it was it was oh it was amazing, God. man. That was a really that was a really that really was one of the time. best. Like it was like the biggest site for that world for sure. To figure out and find all your new favorite bands in that yeah sort of scene Dude. world. Totally, but yeah, it was it was awesome, man. That was a fun time too. So it all it all kind of goes hand in hand, you know. Yeah, ever since I was younger, I just I loved. I always liked the underdogs. I always liked finding the smaller bands, you know, like. When Blink-22 got big, I was like, nah, I'm done with this band, trying to find the next Blink, you know? So I would, you know, tell everyone, oh, check out the starting line, or like, yo, check out, you know, this band. It just, it was all, it's, I'm the same, I'm the same arrogant fucking asshole about that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, actually, I love that you mentioned the starting line, because, uh, yo, in Fella, I felt a lot of pop-punk emo band lyric references, and I was like, yo, this is totally the starting line right here wait which on my shit on your shit yeah wait which uh i think it's the first track off of um on felt yeah well yeah because it's, it's not up and go i know what you're <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about because i wrote that song my brain went to the starting line i was like yeah you know like kind of and then even my buddy luke heard it he's like you sound like kenny from the starting line i was like <laughs> okay fuck it like, i'll take it like i love that stuff like yeah, dude, that's amazing. You picked up on that, man. I was like, as I was in the bathroom, I I realized the lyric you're talking about. Yeah, I, that was my that was my high school talent show cover song, actually. Dude, yes, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because the start the, the starting line is like, uh, turn you up and go, <laughs> and then I I did like, on and on and on, it's up and go. Yep, totally. Sorry, Kenny. Sorry, Matt. I ripped you guys off. <laughs> Straight rip. They're, they're homies. Homie I don't too. think they'll Homie care. Off oh, of yeah. Philadelphia. Yo, it's... Yeah, Philly boys. Were you always... Did you ever think you were going to get into music? Like, because... You... Yeah. It, yeah. It, like, to quickly answer that question, yeah. I always knew. It's just yeah. like... It was one of those things, you know, and especially growing up in Hawaii, like we lived on the big island in a very small town called Waikoloa. So there wasn't wasn't anything to do. You know, when I first moved there for the first few years, like literally the only thing there were houses, a park, and then like a tiny, tiny building Mm -hmm. that was split in, in half. One half was a post office. The other half was like what you would call a general store. And like, that was it. We had, there was no school there. So we had to drive to, we had to drive like 25 to 30 minutes every morning to Waimea, mm-hmm. which was like another town because uh, there was a school there. So yeah, dude, it was, it was small. So a lot of my time was just like with, I have three brothers. So we would just like hang out, play video games and like just listen to the radio and like watch MTV. And, you know, this is back when MTV had actually played rad music and stuff. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it was, it was like an early addiction. It just kind of hit it just hit right away. And I, I just understood. I'm like, this is, this is who I am. I can't like, I can't go on without this stuff. So, um, yeah. Are you yeah. like a self-taught yeah. musician with like the band? Yeah. Um, yeah um, I don't know theory at all. I'm like, I don't know theory. And even when it comes to producing, like, you know, it's, it's a common misconception with me. Like people think I produce all my own stuff and 
I think in a way I'm a producer, but more from like the traditional sense of like, mm. you know, arrangements and like, let's get this tone and let's do this and this, this, but like, I'm, I'm nothing without, you know, my collaborators, you know, like, you know, very, very, very blessed to have the people that I've worked with, you know? So, um, yeah, without them, I, I, none of this shit would be possible. So self-taught in the bass, singing, and also here we have graphic design. Graphic design, yeah. And that uh, that kind of came out of necessity, you know what I mean? Because uh, so it all, it's all kind of intertwined, but um, deciding not to resign to a label and I was going to start putting on the music. I'm like, well, fuck, like I don't have an art department to execute my ideas um it costs a lot of money to get stuff going with people i was like what am i gonna do and fortunately um my wife went to she graduated from otis out here and uh which is like an art school so she knew photoshop and illustrator like in and out so she basically was just like i'll kind of give you the crash course and help you along the way so um, look at that all I, love. Like, i bought bought photoshop and i just started like messing around it's so funny like i found the very first design i ever did and it was like i was just like messing around trying to do something based on the band citizen and it just it looks <laughs> so bad like it's crazy how bad it is. <laughs> and, and i'm like yo this is sick you know it was terrible um but i just i found it, it clicked with me i found this this like intrigue mm. and this like buzz that i would get when I did kind of create something to me, which was very like stunning visually. I'm like, I would just kind of stare at it. I'm like, okay, fuck yeah. Okay. 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 So next thing I know, I ended up designing the EP cover for pollen. Mm -hmm. And then um, someone hit me up. It was my buddy, Chris, and he's like the drummer in dashboard and has like this other other project called After Hours with another homie named Micah. They were in this band called There for Tomorrow, like kind of like old school, like Warped Tour band and stuff. Oh, I'm familiar. Um, yeah, but they were like, yo, like who did this EP cover? I was like, I did it. They're like, yo, we have this EP coming out. Like, can you do it? Like, sure. I think I asked for like a hundred bucks or something. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, let's. And they ended up using it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So it kind of started snowballing a little bit. So um, I was like, well, all right and then i mean it makes sense though yeah. your art work that you make makes sense you know because there's a lot of pop stars or r&b stars like in the music industry world that hire like graphic designers and do all these weird shoegaze covers that's yeah yeah you can tell it's yeah, by it just, a graphic designer totally with the totally. mood board um yeah exactly but, you know, as I started doing this, you know, I, I started to realize and understand that I have been driving all the visuals this entire time. I just never knew how to how to execute it. Like the felt cover. I remember I found the drawing. It was like a like a, a an illustration I did for it um, to present to Justin, who shot the cover. But it was like a stick figure with a bunch of flowers. I'm like, it could be cool if we did something like this. And then, you know, he did it. And then um, it, know, it turned out great, though. Yeah, it's no super cool, but it's like I, I started to really understand. I was like, okay, like I think I have the eye for something like this. And it also goes back to I think being obsessed with music as such a young kid and like sitting sitting there on the ground, whether it was listening to like a CD and just like staring at the booklet, listening to a cassette tape and just staring at it being and then 
even I have memories of like buying, buying or not buying albums because I hated the cover. I'm like, this just looks lame. Like wine. I don't want to, I don't. Yeah. What's that? Like wine. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you buy wine, you you're know, always drawn to the wine label label, and yeah, that's why you buy it. Exactly. Exactly. So to, to me, that kind of stuff always just made sense. And like, mm-hmm. even with merch and like, you know, like I would always, I always knew the style of band shirts I wanted to buy and this and that. So um, all that kind of stuff came rushing in. And then next thing I know, so I've been doing design work for probably maybe close to a year and a half now. So I I learned Photoshop, like I started Photoshop like a year and a half ago. Um, I still suck at Illustrator. I'm like really bad at it. (laughs) Um, But I know I need to, I know I need to get better at it because now I'm able to tell the very, very, very small details in the pixelation when you're printing like a, like an album sleeve. So I'm like, oh, okay, you need Illustrator because it's not based on pixels. Okay, so I'm trying to get better at it. Um, but yeah, I just it's been super, super fun, and it's been, but the, you know, it 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 came out of necessity, just like Fever Limited did, just like all the, it was just out of necessity. I'm like, it's extra money, which is great because we all know the music industry doesn't pay anything, and that's also <laughs> a common misconception. People are like, you must be rich. I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like, <laughs> I gotta work. You gotta work every fucking day to keep things kind of going. You know what I mean? I, I don't just sit here and collect checks. That's not how it works. I wish it were, but um, yeah. So through that, it's been a, it's been really, really fun because a lot of people that I've admired who have done like some of my favorite album covers, like, I next thing I realized they like start following me on Instagram. I'm like, holy shit, like what? Like, this is crazy. So I reach out, I'm like, yo, dude, like you did the you did the cover for Vane's Arizona, man. Like, that's one of my favorite covers. Like, I love all that. He's like, dude, I love your stuff. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, like maybe I'm doing something cool. I don't know. You know, and I uh, I always I'm always a bit self-deprecating, especially when I from a practical standpoint. I think I, yeah, aren't are we all? Yeah. Exactly. Um so a lot of times I'm like, I don't deserve this gig. Like, or if something happens with my music, I'm like, why did I get that? Like, I'm not that good. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been really fun, and it's been something that I'm very passionate about and want to continue growing with. And um, it's cool. Which is great because I see the trend of design that you do, and I know that Ben Lee, who's also based out in Brooklyn, Ben, he, the homie. Shout out to Ben Lee. Shout out to Ben Lee. Art directed the new merch, fire. You know, he works for Bravado. I'm familiar. You guys work together sometimes. Like it's yeah. He uh, yeah. So he reached out, and but here's here's also something that I've noticed. And this the statement. I'm not saying it to sound conceited event or any way, but I think my reputation with music and my projects lends a major major hands and benefits me with the design world because people are like, oh shit, like you know Ben was like, I've always loved Changing and Teenage Risk. Like, so it was so cool to like connect with you. I was like, dude, like you're my hero when it comes to design. Like your stuff is so good. Yeah. So um, yeah, I have, you know, and he actually was in LA like a month or so ago. So we finally met for the first time. Cause like we would talk on the phone for like an hour, but we, I'd never met the dude. Um, so like a little agency going got, on right here. Yeah, t- dude, totally. So we all, we finally met like a month ago and all got dinner and I was, my, my wife was there too. And um i was kind of like oh wow like the two people who really taught me everything are right in front of me this is great so i owe a lot to both of them they they, yeah they really uh 
he's always there. And if I have a question to like, no, don't do that, do this. I'm like, okay, thanks dude. So, and he's been really kind. He like, he trusted me to, to bring me on to, um, bring me on the projects when I was really, really, really new to this. And of course the self, the self deprecating side to me was like, dude, I, I can't do it. He's like, don't worry. Like, I love your shit. What you're doing is what they're looking for to just do your thing. Keep so yeah, it. I did like a, like a Chelsea, like a Chelsea cut or was it Chelsea Cutler? Yeah, we did like a collab. I was like an assistant designer on it. We did an assistant design stuff for the 975, which is funny, but um, <laughs> what, what else? Something else I can't remember, but yeah, I just had him do all the, sometimes I need to take myself out of it, which is why I had him just do all that um, Honeyman Drips merch drop when the album came Which out. Which was so but good like, because you, I must say, I'm getting some Robert Smith vibes. Like it just oh, all- Oh, with that, with that one, yeah. That's a with that one, idea. yeah. And it like draws everything in from like, you know, vintage, your design work, you know. Totally. And I'm pretty sure you totally. have a growled vintage collection. Oh, dude. I'm like, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. Like, the only things familiar. I spend my money on are food. Because I'm like, I love to eat just like good food. Like, I'm obsessed with like anything Asian. So even yesterday, yesterday we went and got Korean barbecue down in Irvine. It was just like, just epic. Um Yes, I'm always like I'm always looking for a new hot ramen spot, like all this. I just so I spend my money on food, spend my money on vinyl, and spend my money on band T-shirts. Like it's just, but dude, the the whole uh, this whole like movement of like bootlegs, and these 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 kids like young people just doing these like amazing bootleg drops. It's like, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But it's also intriguing and it also is like out of nowhere. So I just did, I also have a brand out here and it's called Desar. And we mm -hmm. just collaborated with Peter Savile, who's, you know, the legend. He's a legendary designer and art director. Dude, I told you, the, I'm, I'm a noob. I told you. For um, Joy Division's records uh, and New Order's records. Oh, man. Yeah, enough said. Enough said, dude. Yeah, everything. Everything. And so... I have friends that have been coming up to me like, yo, nice bootleg. I was like, this isn't a bootleg. This is like the real deal. No way. Yeah. No, no, no licensing, no licensing straight up. Unbelievable. Yeah. We collaborated with this um, type founder. He's a good friend of mine, Christian Swartz, and you should check them out, commercialtype.com. And they have been putting out fonts and typefaces for all of us for decades and amazing you don't yeah. even know that you were actually using their fonts you're gonna have to send me that link i'm gonna have to definitely, do anything fonts, man. yeah i mean definitely want to like throw some pieces your way for sure obviously thank you thank would you. love to thank would you. love to yeah you know what hats off to you for doing all these things i have like some wear many hats to start solutions that i would like love to throw at you i mean obviously you collaborate with some printing presses, some smaller labels, but yeah, you know, when you said the pollen EP that you did that, you know, it reminds me of Mark Jacobs heaven line. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. And you know what, you should totally think about like doing something bigger. I mean, that's what it feels like. It seems like, you know, since you're on the same wave as like everything that's been coming out right now, I think it's only going to get bigger and better. I mean, I hope so. It's cool. It's fun. It's like, this is the, the title of this podcast is like the perfect way to explain being in the music industry, especially now in 2021. 
like you have to wear many hats in order to like survive in order to feel fulfilled yeah i just i i, I just kind of like doing it all and it's in and with design work so especially so if it can if it can uh, continue to build unbelievable you know i'd be so stoked i'd be so honored but it's like yeah it's been it's been really cool for someone like me who is so new to this the like the clientele that i've ever, that i've already gotten like i just did and it was a collab with my wife but just did the like a tracks goldie awards which was like really really cool so he has this like djb battle award show every year so yeah they hit me oh, up that's, to, like that's awesome start wow. start doing like to do like the rebrand and like all that kind of shit and like it was it was a really fun it was really cool to work with her that was just like you know husband and wife working together which was pretty rad but it was like a really big project with a lot of stuff that like i had to kind of educate myself on but the fact that like I mean, i'm saying this basically to encourage anybody like if you have any hesitations just do it because like i'm literally like a year or so into this and like i'm already i'm already doing some of this stuff so um it's definitely possible <laughs> definitely this is amazing it's all good to hear it's all it's all fun man it's stoked so um yeah i just wrapped up a few projects and doing a tour admat right now which i probably can't talk about because i don't know when the tour is going to be in there <laughs> um but literally once we're done with this i have to go send the final draft I have to go oh yeah definitely edits. yeah definitely. so it's like but it's, yeah it's fun though dude i love uh I'm working on some stuff coming up for Bad Sun, so I'm very stoked about that because I did the I did the single cover for their latest single, and like we're just gonna move forward and like start building out more stuff with that. And we get to take meetings while surfing, which is clutch. And um, unbelievable, yeah, dude, it's 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 good, man. It's good. So I just want to keep doing it. I want to, you know, I want to be like what like my design hero is like Von Oliver, like rest in peace. I always, this kind of goes with music and design. It's so funny. It's like, I'll hear something like, this is so simple. Or I'll look at like Von Oliver's work and I'm like, you know, all the early 4AD stuff, all that. I'm like, oh, like, this is so simple. Like I can make something like that. And then I attempt to, and I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know how he did this. Like, this is insane. It's absolutely insane to me. It's so um, I like, I like finding stuff like that because I think when you attempt to do it and you fail, it'll push you to like reattempt it and actually like figure Definitely. out how the hell you got to do it. So Definitely, it's fun, man. It's a it's a good uh, it's a it's a very good learning process. We're in our prime years, man. Everything yeah, you learned in your twenties so. now I, put to the test up here. I hope I hope so. I hope I'm not washed up yet. Thirty five year old bitter washed up dude. Nah, yeah. nah, <laughs> nah. Not even. It's just the beginning. Hell yeah, I love that. I'm with you on that. Captain, so how we end off the podcast is if you were to get a chest tattoo, quote, in Old English, one of the weirdest and fonts of all time, obviously, from two low-key self-taught designers, I guess you could say, what would it be? What would it say? I'm totally putting you on the spot here because I usually tell people to... Do I have the font? Because I don't know, I don't know any font names of like that. Oh no, it's like, have you ever seen that? You don't need to know the font, but it, you know, have you ever seen those like terrible chest tattoo quotes that people have? Oh yeah, totally. No, totally. Okay, so it would be if I had to get anything, that would be something really terrible. Okay, you know how this would be terrible and awful and cheesy. I would literally have it say, "Maybe we're just sleepwalking." <laughs> so it would just be a big fuck you to myself. Basically, <laughs> so I would just I would just do that. Oh, that would good. be the, the 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 cheesiest, lamest dude ever. If I got one a tattoo in that style, but two, 
of my own song lyric of my biggest song. That'd be really lame. So that was that's what I would do if I was looking to be like <laughs> the biggest asshole ever. No, that's that that's a great one. That's a great one. Okay. So plug awesome. your socials. Where can people find you? Um yeah, okay. So uh chain gang stuff. It's Instagram slash what is it? I changed it. Uh, oh, it's the chain gang of nineteen seventy four. Twitter is chain gang of nineteen seventy four. My personal Instagram is uh, comteenm, so you can find my design work there. Um, go to feverlimited.com. It's ltd.com. Um, Heavenward Band on all socials. I have a lot of things. You'll find them all. But um, yeah, dude, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for thinking I'm an interesting person and want to chat with me. I, I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, this, was, this, was, this was fun. It was amazing. It was amazing. Awesome. Well, next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Tassar, and I'm Rashad. Peace. Peace.